This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Nice to see you, whether you're here or online. It was uh, Toulouse-Lautrec who said, the greatest thing is to love another and to be loved in return. And he's so true. The greatest thing is to love another person and to be loved in return. We all want to be loved. Uh, I, I see it when I visit the nursing homes when people are nearing death. They just want somebody to be there to show them care and kindness and compassion and love, to know that they're not a nuisance. I see it in our kids. Our kids don't want more stuff or busier schedules. Our kids want to know that they are loved. And everybody from eight years right through to 80, you just want to know that there are people out there who care for you, who are kind towards you, who will love you. We just want to be loved. And that's why 2021 is the year of loving our neighbor. We want to be a church where we do exercise love, we express love. Whoever comes across our path, they experience love. It was John Maxwell who famously said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. What Rosaria Butterfield said, she said, we live in this post-Christian world where people are fed up and sick and tired of hearing from Christians. But who could argue with this radical Christ-centered love? That sounds cliched, but love really does change everything. Can you imagine a world where everybody loved well? where everybody loved without any discrimination, without any prejudice, where everyone loved freely and extravagantly, loved without expecting anything in return. That is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Firstly, the command to love. God commands us to love other people. So look at your Bibles, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law, so a Bible teacher, a Bible scholar, somebody who knows his Old Testament, he stands up and he, he stands up to test Jesus. So he doesn't really want to know the answer. He's one of those annoying people who just want to show how clever they are. But his question's a good one. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. That's the assumption. You must do something. He's kind of asking Jesus, how can I be certain I've done enough? How can I be sure I've done enough to get to heaven? And Jesus says, verse 26, well, you know your Bibles. What's written in your Bible? How do you read it? And he gives the perfect answer. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. He says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, that vertical love for God. Love God wholeheartedly and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a horizontal love. It's all over the scriptures. The basic truth about a human being is we're called to to love God and to love other people. The first four commandments are all about loving God above anything and everybody. The last six commandments, you know, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't cover. It's all about loving your neighbor. He's saying life is not about 
just loving yourself. That's what our world says, learn to love yourself. And the Bible says the best way to love yourself is to love God and to love others. But it's almost like that horizontal love is proof that your vertical love is real. It's easy to say, I love God. It's easy to say, I love God, and the Bible says, well, show it. Show that you really love God by the way you love other people. It's such a simple truth. As human beings, we're created by God to love other people. Anybody and everybody made in the image of God, regardless of their their race, their gender, their sexuality, their intellect, their social status, their age. You are designed to love all people that God has placed in your path. So who are the people going to heaven? Those who love God wholeheartedly and love their neighbour unconditionally. And Jesus says, verse 28, you've answered correctly, well done. Do this and you will live. That, that shocks me. We, if you said to me, how do you have eternal life? I would talk about grace and I would talk about faith in Christ. And that is the right answer. It is by grace, it's by faith. So what does Jesus mean by do this and you will live? I think he is showing this man's pride. I think this expert in law thinks that he's done it. He, he thinks he has loved God well because, you know, he, he's memorised scriptures, he's, he's doing his Bible in a year, he's coming to church. Of course I love God well. And I think he thinks he's loved his neighbour well. You imagine him thinking about all the people he's cared for and his family and friends who he's loved and the occasional good deed that he does. But that second commandment of loving others well is a bit more tangible. And so he asks a good question in verse 29. He wants to justify himself. He wants to make sure he's okay. And so he says, Jesus, who is my neighbour? Jesus, tell me exactly. Give me a list of people so I can feel good about myself. And that's why this this parable is so uncomfortable. It's like a wake-up call because deep down within each of us, we are a bit like that lawyer. Who is my neighbour? Jesus, tell me exactly who you want me to love. Oh, sure, I'll go and love those people. And so we take out our phone and we see all our friends And we've got our mates and we've got our family, we've got our friends, we've got the people in church that we're kind to, we've even got the people in church who we find it hard to love and we feel good about ourselves because we're being nice to them. And Jesus tells this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a challenge as to who you are called to love and how you are called to love them. And a word of warning, this is so radical. Let's look at the story. A man went going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 25 kilometres long. So it's a, it's a road like from Kiribati to Parramatta, Kiribati to Narrenburn, or Narrabeen rather. Uh, in Jesus' time, it was a, a, a rocky road, a dangerous road. It would be um, full of robbers and bandits. And this poor man is attacked. He's stripped, he is beaten, and he's left in a gutter half dead. But, verse 31, what a stroke of luck. A priest happened, love that word, he happened to be going down the same road. Isn't God good? A a kind, righteous, religious man is coming down the same road. And we're told in verse 31 that he, he sees the man. 
He sees the man in the gutter, half dead. But we're told he passes on by. He takes the wide berth. He wants nothing to do with this man. Oh, but it's okay, verse 32, because another religious person comes along, a Levite. Uh, they're the people who led the worship in the temples. They're the worship leader in church. They're the, the people who stand up in front and, and lead services. And this is a man who's just led a service up in Jerusalem. And he came to the place, verse 32, and he too saw the man in need. He has eyes to see him. But he too took the wide berth and passed by on the other side. No compassion, no care. But, verse 33, a Samaritan comes. And when you see the word Samaritan, uh, please don't think the person at the end of a phone line taking your desperate call. Please don't think the people packing shoeboxes for those in need. The Samaritans were the baddies. They were the ones who were the terrorists of the day. They were looked down on. They were hated by people. And Luke makes his point. He literally says, Samaritan, as a shock, Samaritan, he came by. And he's the hero of this story. That The priest is cold. He's calculating the Samaritan is full of compassion. The priest risks nothing, but the Samaritan gives everything. We're told in verse 34, he, he went to the man. He stoops down and sits with him and he, he cares for him. He bandages his wounds. He, he pours on oil to comfort him. He put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn and he took care of him and he, he paid money for him to be cared for and cured. He loved him. And that's the challenge. Because Jesus says in verse 36, which of these three, the, the, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor? And the lawyer says, the, the one who had mercy. And here's the sting in the tale, go and do likewise. Go and be a neighbor. This is the twist in this parable. The, the, the lawyer asks the question, who is my neighbor? I'm guessing in the hope there might be some people who are non-neighbours that you don't have to love. And Jesus turns on his head and says, no, go and be a neighbour. Go and be a neighbour to anybody and everybody who comes across your path. Live life with your eyes open to see all those that God places around you who you're called to be a neighbour to. Connect with them, love them, see the needs, act with compassion. That's the command to love. Who are you called to love? Anybody and everybody. Secondly, the failure to love. The failure to love. Let me ask you, why, why do you think these religious people didn't love? The Bible doesn't tell you, but it's okay to ponder. Maybe it was fear. Fear for their own safety, their own security. Maybe the priest was thinking, you know, if I stopped to help, maybe the robbers were there and I would get attacked. And I'm such an important person, other people need me, so I couldn't put my life at risk. Maybe they thought they were being religious. You know, the, the Bible says if you touch an unclean person, you become unclean. Maybe they thought they were doing the right thing. Maybe they were just a bit selfish. Now, maybe he was very tired after uh, doing a day at church. Maybe he had a big day ahead of him tomorrow, his diary was filled. Maybe he's thinking, I just need a good night's sleep. We don't know why. 
There are lots of reasons I'm sure he gave why he didn't love. But Jesus puts these two men, this, this priest and this Levi, in this story as examples of what not to do, how not to love your neighbour well. So let me ask you, why, why do you fail to love your neighbours? Here are some of the things that I, I've been pondering for my life. I, I often use that kind of that self-justifying thing. Well, you know, I don't do any bad things. I turn the positive command to go and love into the negative, well, I haven't hurt anybody, so I can feel good about myself. Or, or that self-justifying reasons like, now, I, I, I love lots of other people. And in my head, I go through the list of all the people I have loved. You know, I've been to James Milson, and I've visited Greenway, and I sponsor a compassion child, and I give to Anglicare, and I've had these people around for dinner. And it's almost like as you list all the people that you have loved, you're excusing yourself for all the people that you failed to love. And sometimes I, I use the classic evangelical excuse of, well, I must share the gospel. And so until I can share the gospel with them, I'm not going to love them well. That is so wrong. Of course, people's biggest need is to hear the gospel, but that doesn't excuse you from loving people in deed and in kindness. Or sometimes it's just the withdrawal excuse. It's not my business. Somebody else can look after them. Ever, ever thought that? Ever seen somebody and thought, well, somebody else can meet that need? And there's a newspaper article. I'll just read this to you. A woman in her late 20s was attacked on her way home. As she screamed for help, she noticed people twitching their curtains, witnessing the crime, but not one person bothered to phone the police. When they were later asked why they'd done nothing, the answer was unanimous. We just didn't want to get involved. I know I've done that. Let somebody else deal with it. It's too big for me. See, it's easy to say, I love my neighbour, but Jesus says, go and do it. Go and start loving people without limits. Who are you called to love? Everybody and anybody. But how are you going to do it? This is the challenge, the challenge to love well. And I reckon the Samaritan is the best example. It starts with seeing. He saw the man. He had eyes open to see the need. And they all saw the need, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The difference is when the Samaritan saw it, he turned, turned the sight into action, into compassion. What did his love look like? It was, a, it was a selfless love. He had no thought for himself. I'm, I'm sure his diary was full. I'm sure he had other commitments. I'm sure he was time poor. But he put the needs of another person above his own needs. It was selfless. It was personal. He went over to the man. He didn't, didn't just pay money for someone else to care for him. He actually got involved. He got his hands dirty on his hands and knees at the roadside, pouring over the oil, putting on the bandages. It was compassionate. He eased the man's pain. It was costly. It cost him time. It cost him money, two days' wages. But he joyfully gave and it was indiscriminate. I love that about this parable. This man is, is, is naked and he's half dead, so he doesn't speak. And so you can't say, he, he's not like me, he's not one of my tribe, he's not one of my clan. You don't know that. 
And Jesus is saying, whatever someone's background, whatever someone's social status or sexual orientation or age or stage, if they're a human being in the image of God, you're called to love them. And it's extravagant. Extravagant love. Not, not what's the least I can do, but, but how precious this individual is. So what can I do to help them? Now, can you imagine if you love like that? If all of us here loved in this selfless, compassionate, indiscriminate, personal, extravagant love. When someone walks through our door at church on a Sunday morning, perhaps somebody who is so unlike you, perhaps someone who doesn't quite fit in, whatever that means, the intellectually challenged, the uneducated, the poor, the needy, the old, the frail, the person who smells, the person who dribbles, the depressed, the addicts, the lonely, the person that this world rejects and passes on by. What if we really cared for those people? What if we genuinely took an interest in them? If we sat with them and find out who they are and heard their story and spent time, that precious gift called time, what about someone in our church who's in need and maybe you cooked a meal or you just did a random act of kindness? Or, or someone in your street that you notice that that person in your street is sad? They look sad. Do you stop and say, are you okay? The number of times out here in Kirby, I've seen people on that bench in tears and I've just stopped and I've said, are you okay? That, that random act of kindness, it speaks volumes. And I know the needs are huge, and I know it can be overwhelming to just start small. Just start by actually seeing people, slowing down your life so you've got time to actually engage with people. That's what the early church was known for, for loving people well. And today I fear the church is known more for its theological arguments and narrow-mindedness than we are for love. A real love for God will show itself in love for others. Anyone, everyone, with this radical, indiscriminate, extravagant, costly love. But you can only do this. You can only love like this when you've experienced the greatest love of all. When you experience the greatest love of all. Because Jesus doesn't really tell this story because he believed that we could change the world. He knows we can never love like this. In a way, he's saying to this expert in the law, you can't keep the commandments. Stop thinking you can keep these commandments. And the danger for us this year, this year of loving our neighbours, we're so focused on the horizontal that we neglect the vertical. The only way you're going to love well is if you bathe in God's love for you. If you sit and experience the intimacy of God's love for you. Now, I'm not letting you off the hook. We must go and do likewise. We must go and love extravagantly. But please don't do that out of duty. Do it out of delight for God. See, there's another, another man who walked exactly this same road, but he was going from... Jericho to Jerusalem and this man he fell into the hands of bad people who robbed him and beat him and spat on him and left him half naked not at the side of the road but on an old wooden cross and they passed on by and they 
saw him and they mocked him and they spat on him and then they crucified him. Because Jesus is both the injured man, the wounded man who's being beaten, but he's also the good Samaritan, the one who reaches out to you and lavishes you with his love. And that greatest love of all is not found inside of you, it's found at Calvary. The greatest love is found in God himself who, who exhibited that perfect, sacrificial, costly, extravagant love so that you could know how loved you are by God. And he's saying, friends, don't think you can do this without my help. But when you put your trust in Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, his Holy Spirit comes into you. He pours out his spirit in abundance. And so he equips you and enables you to love in this extravagant way. Love people. Please go and do likewise. My, 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 my passion for this year is not that we would talk about loving our neighbour, and not that we'd write an article or e-news about loving your neighbour, but actually we'd go and do it. But we'd have countless stories of people who are just loving well. So can I encourage you to go and just love anybody and everybody? Because the greatest thing is to love another and to be loved in return. We're going to sing about that and then we're going to come back and apply it to our lives. Love you with 
remember all my days Let me see your kingdom only And my life be to your praise You alone shall be my glory Nothing in this world I see You have lived and sang Set me free. Who is love will not remember? Who can cease to sing his praise? He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal day. share some ways where we can love our neighbours well as a church. Uh, when you came in on your sheet, you'll have a key events for 2021. Uh, I want you to pray for those that you could invite. Invite to church, invite to an Alpha course. There's some dates there for when these Alpha courses start. Uh, we've been a whole lot of courses this year or seminars on well-being and care. Uh, caring for those who are struggling with anxiety and depression, uh, caring for those who are single, for those who are experiencing divorce. I'd uh, love you to use these, this, these dates to, to care for those around you, to love people well. Put those dates in your diary. Also, as a church, uh, I want to encourage us to be welcoming as a church. Uh, on any given Sunday, between 50 to 60 new people walk through the doors of this church. No one, no one should leave here feeling unloved. Regardless of who they are, of what their background. And that is not just the responsibility of the welcome team. All of us here are called to love well. I also want to remind you the reason that we are planning on planting a new congregation in the morning, either at Macquarie Park or the Lane Cove area, it's because there are thousands, tens of thousands of people out there who need to experience the love of Christ. Oh, that's an interesting fact about the Macquarie Park area. Uh, six, between 65 and 70% of people in that area do not speak English as their first language. That is huge. And they need to hear about the love of Christ. But please don't hide behind your church. All of us responsibly, personally, for loving our neighbour. And you've got a bookmark uh, with our five steps up on the screen as well. Pray, connect, eat, share, and invite. Pray, connect, eat, share, invite. So before you can, before you can love people, you need to pray for them. Will you pray for those in your street by name? Will you pray for them by house number if you don't know their names? Will you pray the Lord will open the door for you to engage with them and connect with them? Will you pray that the Lord will put around them other Christians who can shine the love of Christ into their lives? I'd ask Bianca to share this morning, but she's leading worship up at Neutral Bay. And she wrote this about her prayer life. I asked the Spirit to prompt me to pray for specific people. As they come across my path, I, I shoot up an arrow prayer in my mind. 
And I ask God to align my prayers with his heart for this area, what he is wanting to do. I ask the Holy Spirit to show me things or people he wants me to be praying about. As an example, over the last nine months, we have met four to five couples who identify as LGBTQ. And this has led me to pray for those couples by name and to expand that prayer to others in that community within our suburb. That prayer has evolved to praying for that those neighbours have the opportunity to understand the love of Christ and to experience the love of his people. And I wait for promptings from the Spirit. As an example, one neighbour has watched me from her kitchen window head out every Wednesday night somewhere. And one week she asked me where I go. I told her I go to Bible study. She responded with, would you pray for me? I told her I would. The next time we were chatting, she shared some physical needs she had, and I know she's not yet a believer, but I took that as a moment from the Spirit, and I aimed to display love in action by praying right there in front of her. Praying immediately in front of our neighbours has been scary to do, but helpful for later conversations. As a side note, nobody I've asked to pray for, even, even an unbeliever, has ever refused. Who doesn't want to be loved, cared for, and interceded for in, in case there is a God? So will you pray? Will you seek to connect? Leave time, leave margin in your life. Stop rushing everywhere. Meet your neighbours, say hello to them, say, are you okay? Meet a need, do a, a random act of kindness. Andrew's gonna share how he does that. I do this occasionally well, my wife does it very well. Um, for me, I'm one of those people who turns up to a networking event and historically I'd sit in the corner and uh, hold onto a table and uh, be very comfortable there, keep my eyes on the ground and fairly safe. What I found was when I flipped my attitude to actually pretending it was my event, suddenly I had another level of confidence talking to people because you have people into your home, you feel comfortable talking to them and so on. And so that change in attitude for me is really important and Paul's point about we just want to be loved. And you take that into your connections with your neighbours and instead of thinking, why would they want to talk or engage with me? You flip that around realising they've got this need to connect. Uh, and I guess from a really practical point of view, a couple of things. One is just the intentional lingering. Uh, again, I'm good at pulling up in my car, getting out, seeing the neighbour pulling up in their car and thinking, great, I can get inside just in time. The decision to actually wait for them to get out of their car and just speak to them uh, is a really powerful one. And you can apply that all over in terms of, yeah, it's instead of just dropping the kids at sport, hanging around and actually chatting to some of the parents, dropping them at a play date, actually hanging around and so on. Uh, kids are an unfair advantage in terms of connecting uh, that can be used really powerfully. Uh, at work for me, I do a lot of my meetings walking uh, and I find that really helpful because if you sit across from someone to eye to eye, they share less. But if I start a walking meeting with how are you going and how's your family, it's amazing what they will share uh, as we walk alongside and you're not in that kind of face-to-face -face kind of environment. So again, just taking that time to ask those questions, you connect on another level. The discipline for me is around remembering what they actually said because mm -hmm. uh, that's that piece next time that shows that you actually care. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Very connect to eat. Share a meal with someone. Have, invite someone to your home for a meal. If you're having people around, have a, a, a more varied group of people around, someone who you wouldn't think about inviting, invite them. 
I'm going to ask Jane to, sh- Jane? Jane to share about how you do that in terms of your meals ministry. I think we all love being invited to someone's home for dinner. It feels special. Um, you know they want to spend time with you, put effort into it. And so over the years, my husband and I have tried, tried to do that, some, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so successfully. But uh, it's something that we lo- absolutely love to do. We love to have people in our home. Sometimes it's spontaneous. Uh, we live in an apartment block, so we meet people um, in the garage or on, on the stairs. Uh, 50% of the building is uh, uh, rental, so it's a changing scene. Um, so we love to meet, um, meet new people and maybe just say, I've got the kettle on. Would you like to come in and have a coffee? It's simple, as simple as that. At other times, I think we're a little more... And more planned. Uh, we often um, invite people into our home um, before or after an activity. Uh, we might ask a friend to uh, go for a walk early on Saturday morning, perhaps up to North Sydney Market. We buy some croissants and say, come back to our place and we'll have coffee and croissants. Mm. Perhaps some of you have got uh, kids who play sport on Saturday. Uh, when my kids were little, we used to say, you know, would you would you care to, care to come back for a sausage sizzle to an, another family that we'd, we'd just met? Um, Sunday evening, because we go to church in the morning, Sunday evening, one of our favorite things to do in winter is to ask somebody around for a, a bowl of soup and a toasty. It, it, doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And then you have the fun, the fun times. You might have a bit of a theme night, Chris, Christmas in July. Um, some particular type of, type of food. Do you remember when we all used to travel? How about making 2021 20, the day of remember when? Have a pizza night and say, remember, remember when we went to Italy? Um, have a curry night and say, you know, we support a missionary in, in India. Uh, would you like to come and, you know, have a, have a curry with us and hear about what, what that, that person does? And then there's the... Um, the times when you want to show love to your neighbours but you can't uh, invite, them, invite them in because they've just had a new baby or they're up to their ears in packing, unpacking boxes because they've just moved in. And that's, uh, that's the time when we can bring um, the love to them. And uh, I think particularly if there's someone in our building that's moved in, we try and be alert to that and take them a meal and, and introduce ourselves um, and perhaps the, the only other thing I'd say was that when we do um, talk to people, we, we ask uh, the Holy Spirit to actually lead us, um, help us to ask pertinent questions, be intentional in our, in our discussion, just show love by just showing interest in them. And so 2021... Uh, we want to widen our circle. We love having our friends, but we want to have our neighbours and our new friends mm. and be a little bit more intentional. Mm. Thanks. Step four could be a bit scary. Step four is sharing. So sharing your story, sharing your life, sharing your testimony. And I've asked Anna to share a bit about that. Um, I think in my experience, I could share 
sort of on one hand the number of people who have actually asked me about my faith. And so because of that, I'm very deliberate about sharing my faith because you actually have to look for those opportunities because they don't always arise as easily as you would hope. And this has already been said, but it's so important. Like, before you meet up with people who you want to share Christ with, do pray about it. Ask God to help you. Ask him to give the natural breaks in conversation where you can enter into a conversation about Christ. Um, one of the ways that I am intentional, that I find easiest, is to actually, um, once you've had lots of light-hearted conversation, ask a couple of deeper questions. That's what I find the easiest way in leading into um, a conversation that goes a bit deeper. And so normally if you ask a deeper question, you'll either um, maybe be talking about a controversial topic and you'll get that person's um, take on that topic, or it could be that the, the deeper question goes more to the situation that they're in that might be um, causing them dissatisfaction with life, um, or they might be unsettled about something. And so I find it really great to be able to just listen, you know, to love people, to listen to their viewpoint and not to interject, but actually to just actively listen and, to your point, try to remember <laughs> what they're saying and not think about what I'm going to say next. Um, because often when people share their thoughts on a particular topic or question, once they've finished telling you all about that, they'll say, what do you think? And that is such a great question to hear from someone because that's an opening to be able to um, respond on what you do think about that thing, but also to include God in that. And so often... Um, you know, I'll just share about how the peace of Jesus helps me in whatever that situation is. And that um, throughout life, you know, I actually find that Jesus is giving me the comfort and the sustenance that I need in whatever particular challenging situation that I've faced that might be similar to what mm. they've just shared. And so um, I'll share about that. And then I'll normally ask a question or ask permission to be able to talk a bit more. And what I mean by that is um, I'll sort of say, is it okay if I explain a bit more about that piece that I've talked about? And normally someone um, will say, yeah, sure, please tell me more. And you can actually share your testimony from there. Mm. Um, so that's what I've found really helpful. And I guess just one word of caution, um, sometimes I'll share it and I'll, I'll lapse into some jargon words about my testimony, like I might say sin or redemption or something like that. I found that to be really unhelpful because it's kind of alienating for someone because they're like, I don't really understand what those words are, but they're not going to ask you because it makes them look ignorant. So try to make sure that when you're sharing your story, you're just using common everyday language um, and you're being really personal and vulnerable because that will then help the other person to open up as well. Um, and I was really glad that Paul asked me to share about this because over the holidays, I managed to read a book. Hardly ever have time to do that, unfortunately. But I read this one, and it's by Sam Chan. He's spoken in this church before. He's a great evangelist. It's called How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. Um, and it is so practical and helpful, and it's really quick and easy to read. Um, it's like 150 pages and the words are big. Um, it was super, super practical. I, I, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. So if you can, jump onto Google and grab a copy of this and read it or come up to me. I'm happy to lend it to you because it's really great. Awesome. Pray, connect, eat, share, lastly, invite. Remind you, you, you are not responsible for bringing people to Christ. 
that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But you, you do have the responsibility to invite people. Invite them to church, invite them to Alpha, invite them to Christian Explored. And so I'm going to invite Carla to share about how you invite people. I think I can start today saying to you that I absolutely love the Lord and he lifted me out of a life that was so bad and I think from that life I have seen the amazing difference that God has made in my life and walking alongside people that aren't Christians I have, like Bianca said, I have learnt that I just pray for them because I so want them to know the Lord the way that I've grown to know the Lord. And, and you know, at times it's tricky to ask people, but because you're praying, I've found that it's actually not me inviting them. It's, it's actually, I just get this amazing urge to say, I think you need to come along to Alpha. Or maybe years ago I asked at my bridesmaid who um, I'd known a long time, I said, you know, maybe you need to look at something a bit different than the way you're looking at life now. Why, why not come along to Christianity Explained, which is what we were doing then. But I think it's... it's um, I love people and I love the difference in people. I love that people have been created differently and if you can just tap into their difference and ask questions about what's going on for them and how their life is is working or not working, you can begin to build a relationship and I think I've never ever invited anybody along to church or to Alpha or to Christianity Explained unless I've known them and I've walked beside them along that path. I always get the image of Christ walking along the path and you've got to walk alongside people for a while before you can ask them to come into this part of your life which is the, your, your, your soul's home. So I think it's really, really vital that you build a relationship first, pray, like Bianca said, draw them in through meals and connecting with them, and then just ask the Lord to just give you the words to say, to invite them. And amazingly, they say yes, which is great. Awesome. Thanks, Carly. And just finally, I've asked the Lord to share about invited to church because you're so good at inviting people to church. Hi. Um, so um, my husband and I started um, the Nutribay Preschool, which is the preschool attached to St. Augustine's a couple of years ago. And it was about the same time that we were um, in church learning about living courageously. And it was such a fitting time because for me, it's something that... Um, I've never been particularly courageous in, uh, you know, taking that um, leap of faith to be so bold as to invite people who you know perhaps are non-believers into coming into your, your church family, and it can be quite a daunting thing. So it's been um, a wonderful opportunity for um, growth and exploration for myself in, in during this time, and what I've discovered is that People are so thirsty for community and connection. And so as Corley was saying, if you walk alongside people for some time, and, and we've certainly been doing that, living in community with our families at, at preschool, and um, 
we find that there are just opportunities all the time to um, invite people along, especially when it, you've, your families and you've got children who have interconnecting lives in different ways, that, that um, you don't need to start with an immediate um, Sunday service invite. That may feel at the beginning a little bit daunting, but um, it's been... It's becoming more and more natural, certainly for me, to invite people along to um, a picnic that might be happening just directly after church and, and getting them to, first of all, just meet other Christians to come along to, um, uh, you know, bridge kids or now bay kids and other things that are um, sort of ripple off of church that includes church community. And... Gradually, then, they see more and more of an in, inside getting an idea of what, what church is all about. And then, and then having these, you know, we've got Super Sundays here and, and other um, key Sunday events that are, then become a natural next step. And for me, I also find it really helpful to, when... You know, just to have in, in a conversation to not be frightened of that pause and to use that pause to just shoot up a prayer to God, go, okay, give me the words, give me the courage, be on my tongue here as I, as, as I um, talk through and, and invite this family so that then it is the, it's, when it's being led by the Holy Spirit, it, it's, it, it just it feels much more natural and you'll be surprised at how many times the answer will come back as yes, and and um, to see where the Holy Spirit goes with that. So that's been That's been exciting. Thanks for sharing all of you. It's the 2021 year of loving your neighbour. Uh, it's not rocky science. Love God well, bathe in his love, and he will empower you to love others well. Pray, connect, eat, share, and invite. And I invite you to be part of this year. I invite Jackie to come and lead us in prayer.